apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest. Top three corner man, punching in. With a punch's chance, we find a way to win. The main event, locked it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight. Feet a step and late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape, never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Throwing Jabs Combat Sports Podcast. I know it is a Saturday morning, but uh, both Joe and myself aren't going to be here, so we're putting it out early. Nice little Tuesday rendition of Throwing Jabs, which, I mean, should be interesting. Let's go. I mean, the the fights that we are talking about, they could completely not happen. Someone misses weight, something happens. A lot of time before the fight, but uh, before we preview any fights, let's recap some. Starting off in the UFC, Marlon Vera takes the unanimous decision in a banger against Rob Font. Joe, I I know you texted the CMG uh, Facebook group message and and praised this fight. Uh, What are your thoughts on it? Uh, it was like you said, it was a banger. This is the kind of fight uh, I really enjoy, man. Uh, I thought both of these guys might try to take it to the ground, and they didn't. They just stood there and they duked it out. I, you know, it's funny. I like Rob Font a lot, and he's a really good fighter. And I picked Vera on this show only because you know what it was, Jared? I had a weird, sneaky feeling. 
that Vera was gonna was gonna pull a submission move. I did not expect the fight that we saw. I loved it so much. I'd love to see another one like that this coming weekend. It was a great fight. This is the fight that I would show people. This is the fight I would want um, aspiring officials to watch for why we need a different kind of scoring system. I always talk about, I think the LFA has a uh, impact scoring percentage system. Because this was a fight, and Marlon Vera won the fight. And Font's uh, strategy of, you know, picking and poking and winning like four and a half minutes every round and then getting his ass kicked and almost stopped in the last 10 or 15 seconds, that's just a horrible strategy. But um, if the problem I had at the end of this fight is uh, 49-46 – Either way or anything in between wasn't going to bother me. And that might sound crazy, a 49-46 font card. But if you take out that last 15 seconds, those rounds are a no-brainer to call. Font is dominating the uh, exchanges. It's a fight. And impact-wise, he won the fight. But when you look at scoring round by round and dominating 85 90% of the round, only to almost be stopped, you think it's going to be stopped. And I don't know. That's the problem I had with it. So this is the problem I have with scoring is when you go one round at a time and you're 10-9ing your way through it and you can get to the end and look at those two guys' faces, throw a picture up if you want, look at the two of their faces at the end of the fight. One of them looks like, hey, you guys, and the other one looks like he just got out of the sauna. Um. And you could have a 49-46 font card, and I wouldn't be extremely upset about it. And this this fight, wonderful fight, fun to watch, great for aspiring, officiating type people and the people that are on the boards now to watch and understand why we need a new score, new type of scoring system. Because Rob Font got his ass kicked, and 4-1 was not a card that would have offended me. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Um yeah, that that that's that's pretty accurate. Dude, again, you know, and I here's the other thing I had said about Rob Font. Rob Font's been close a few times. <laughs> and every time Rob Font gets gets near a title, Rob Font loses. Yeah. I'm a little concerned about that. You know, I I really am. Can I make can I make a quick comparison? Sorry to interrupt. Tisha Torres. This is the Tisha Torres of the male division. Phenomenal hands in every fight. Looks like he's winning. Just plain doesn't hit hard enough because he can land whatever he wants. A lot of times it looks like uh, Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz, where you're putting the punch with the impact and the power and pinpoint accuracy, and the guy's going. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that's what it looks like when Rob Font, I don't know if he needs some Wheaties or some spinach or what it is, but it's, you're landing good punches that look like they should be effective and opponent after opponent after opponent at the upper echelon, they're just not effective enough. A la Tisha Torres. I, you know, it's funny. I was, I watched yesterday just randomly. I stumbled across, um, 
Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. And, you know, one of the things about that fight that surprised me in rewatching it was, dude, Ortega tagged Holloway a few times. Did no damage. Every time he tagged him and Joe Rogan, oh, that's crazy. Uh, nothing happened to Holloway. And then Holloway would come back with a three, four, five punch combo. And I, as I thought about it, I thought to myself, and I know, I know Jace loves Ortega, but I thought to myself, I think that's a classic case of a guy, Jared, who doesn't hit hard enough <laughs> that his best punch doesn't, doesn't like make your jaw vibrate. Doesn't make you feel that punch down your back. And I, and I think, again, you sort of see the guys who, you know, I think it was last weekend my brother pointed out everybody that won by decision got, um, not this past week, weekend before, everybody uh, got outlanded. The person that landed the least amount of punches won all the decisions uh, the, the previous weekend. Great so, observation. Again, right? Sometimes it's it's not the volume. It's the effectiveness, right? Well, I mean, I'll tell you, you a, can, a guy... You can hit me 50 times. If I make your knees buckle three, we're going to walk away thinking that was Joe's round. Oh, and here's a guy... I'll give you one more example. Here's a guy who's probably a six, six and a half puncher that if he was a seven and a half or eight, I could make an argument he never would have lost a fight. Pauli Malinaji. Tough as nails, good chin, fast, great hands. Danny Garcia. Zab Judah. There are a lot of guys that have had the speed. Um, Asalito Freitas. <laughs> For anybody who goes back that far, that were really, really nifty, but didn't have enough pop to make it work. And uh, Rob Font is without a doubt in that category for me. You know, yeah. we're about to hit the next fight, and I'll just throw the name out now because I'm going to bring him up anyway. But Devin Haney is another one of those guys. I mean, he'll jab you to death. I don't think his punches are really all that effective. He cannot take what he's giving. Correct. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm with you. And we'll we'll move into that realm in a second anyway. Oh, hey, and I'll give you one more example. Jared Jones. <laughs> Phenomenal jab, durable guy, but just doesn't have the pop. <laughs> That's why he's here. That's why yeah. he's here with us on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Tuesday night, rather. Uh, exactly. All right. Uh, enough uh, beating around the bush. You brought off a little bit, Joe. Lightweights, boxing, Shakur Stevenson, Takes it from Oscar Valdez. Uh, I'm going to start with you here, Jared. Has Shakur Stevenson finally won your respect or not? No. No. The, uh, uh, Valdez hit him with a straight right hand whenever he wanted to. This guy. I know I picked Valdez and he got beat up. All right. 118, 110. That was my card. It was that bad. It was, it was an onslaught. But. You look at how much smaller he was. And here's the problem I have with Stevenson. Give me a good volume puncher. Um, a good pressure, straightforward volume puncher. People are talking about Loma will tear this guy up. Let's not talk about that. That's a really bad idea. Um, guys like Cambosis would smash this guy. Uh, uh, Rachmanov. Is a volume puncher that would come straight forward and give give Stevenson all kinds of problems. The other issue, 
is he can be outboxed. Is there's boxers out there that I think are gonna that that could get the best of him with how susceptible he looked to that straight right hand. Uh, this guy is uh a little a little bit uh overhyped. I'm not I'm not sold on Stevenson. I saw him not adjust to something that that was working. And if you do that with Loma, that's Vince Lombardi. Run it again, run it again, run it again. Six yards in a cloud of dust. Let's go. And he will just get ironed out by most of those great fighters on that list. Most of those guys. Unless it's a it's another one of the De- Devinanes of the world that is in the same boat. Stevenson might knock Haney out. Haney's got a good straight right hand, though. And that looks like somebody with a good straight right hand. Uh, don't put this guy in the ring with Loma. He will get worked out. I hope they do. Honestly, I hope they do that. They're up there at the height right now. I really, really hope they do. But if I'm Stevenson's management, I better know better than that. Loma will work this guy out. You saw what Valdez did. Like, am I wrong? Am I bugging out? Did this did this guy draw the blueprint to say that this guy can be both outboxed and outworked by the right guy? Was I watching the, a different fight than you guys? Let me say this about Shakur Stevenson. I give him credit for going after a fight with Oscar Valdez. Because in, in the division where nobody wants to, to fight anybody else, I give him credit for doing it. But I'm 100% with you, Jared. Tony just chimed in with it, too. No head movement. I think a Canelo. I think Loma. I think Bud Crawford, Josh Taylor. Any one of those guys, that overhand right that Valdez was, was landing, as you said, whenever he wanted to. And doubling and tripling up on it because it was what was working. Yeah, Lopez, Haney, Tank. I think any one of those guys will take Stevenson out. Um, he's definitely overhyped. And again, to me, he's like Devin Haney. I like some of the technical skill. I think he, the jab is great, but he is not. There's a, what is he, 18 and 0 with nine knockouts? 24 years old, yeah. I, you know, look, I, I think when you're talking about the guys I just mentioned, you know, him, him being in the ring with those guys, it's going to be tough to just nitpick them, the jab and the death. Those guys are killers. Those guys know how to make adjustments. Obviously, Oscar Valdez couldn't get it together. I think, you know, by the time he really started to figure out, Jared, that he could land that right, I think he was too beat up and too ineffective to do enough damage to Stevenson. And he still really couldn't put much together. Yeah, you know, well, it was he was that's the size advantage was big. But here's a fight I like who wins Ryan Garcia, Shakur Stevenson. I would take Garcia probably in that fight. Are you going to defend Stevenson at all here, Jace? Because he's not getting no. a lot of love. <laughs> he wants to. I, I he's mean, thinking about it. And he's like, no, I shouldn't. But I'm going to do no. it anyway. Here it is. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, these past two, I mean. Granted, they yeah, not necessarily the best. He hasn't. I mean, the Herrick fight was big. That that was a big one. This wasn't the same. Uh, I mean, he took care of business. He handled it. But uh, I think he, he. You're right. He he doesn't belong in that. He he's not in the same level as a Loma, a Haney. I uh, I think best 
maybe on that tank. Yeah, that Ryan Garcia level in this division. That's like I. This is in the UFC. We saw like uh, with uh, Adesanya and Costa, right? You have these young guys, and they, they kind of like keep them away from each other until like something meaningful can come with come of it. I think with this division right now, the the young lions, you you, you can't do that. I think you just need to start cutting them off, uh, having them see who's the better uh, of them, and have the winner come out on top and really represent like, with the. Ryan Garcia's, the Tank Davis's, the Shakur Stevenson's of this division. Figure it out and have an actual representative to see who is the best of the young guys there. That's the other problem this guy has is look at the uh, weights of these guys in their fights and you'll find out Tank Davis, Combosis, Lopez, Haney, Loma. Those are all bigger individuals. Those are all larger human beings than Stevenson. There's really nobody at his size. He has to come up and, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Feather fists, he called it. I yeah, love yeah. It. Yep. You see the professional pillow fights? <laughs> oh, no, this is a real thing, I swear. Oh, I've Scroll- seen it. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clear choice. I'm scrolling through the pay-per-view channels and the – uh. The pillow fights come on, and I'm dying because there's this guy like 6'4", 265. He's one and three. How do you look at the party? Well, so what have you been doing in your free time? I'm, a, I'm one and three as a pillow fighter, and you're 6'4", 265 with three pillow fighting losses. I don't know. I'm just saying. Shakur Stevenson just cracked the top 10 rankings for a pillow fighter. So good news for him. <laughs> oh, and being that much bigger than the guy, you should have stopped it in three, four rounds. Instead of like Tony said, if there was any pop on that right hand, it wouldn't have gone four, five, six the other way. Yep. Yeah. But uh, all right, let's keep it in the boxing ring. We have another big real quick. Fight. By the way, this the undercard to this fight. There was about five or six. Jerry, you and I talked about this the other night. There was a bunch of fights on this undercard, man. I got to tell you, there was. If you haven't watched the whole card, do yourself the favor because, dude, there were bangers all throughout the night leading up to that fight. Uh-huh. All right. Oh, did you see French? I I keep calling her French just because I think it's funny. Um, it was Katie, it was uh Clarissa Shields' first fight. Was uh French, French Cruz? Yeah, oh, I know, I know about. oh yeah. she was she looked so so good in that fight, looked so good. Yeah, the undercard was uh, there were some undercard fights that were phenomenal. French on Cruz Desern, big French. French, that's a great Nick. French, but uh, I, I speaking of, I mean, going from an undercard women's fight to the first ever women's boxing match to main event Madison Square Garden, as Katie Taylor gets the nod in the split decision with in the war with Amanda Serrano. This was this was the fight, and I, I love this. But and like I said last week. This is this is they're gonna redo it. This is gonna go back. This is going to be the female version of uh, of 
Tyson Fury and Wilder. This is the rivalry. This is this is the future of women's uh, boxing. Yeah. But uh, Joe, what did you think of the fight? All right. So I wanted Katie Taylor to win. I was afraid Serrano was going to win a close decision because I just, you know, I don't know. That's just kind of what I felt like was going to happen. Not that I wanted it to. This was a, obviously a banger. Uh, I, I just, what an excellent fight. It's, you know, again, we talk about this all the time when you're talking about the one and two in a division and then everybody else. And this is that like personified. This is literally the, I think the two best female fighters. And I think this fight was, this fight played out exactly kind of how I thought it was going to be. Let me be super, super close. I thought it was going to be a battle. It certainly was, and I and I was afraid that when the fight ended, it was going to be so close. I wasn't I wasn't sure who was going to win, and it was all of those things for me. I was thrilled to death. I hate to be wrong, but I was thrilled to death. Katie Taylor won it because I I did. I know an odd like like the the same feeling I had about Font losing to Cheeto. I had a weird feeling that Serrano was going to upset Taylor, and I didn't want that at all. And I agree with that. That's exactly what women's boxing needed. What a great, great fight. Oh, yeah. That was... You guys know Katie Taylor. Me and Katie Taylor like, this, son! Um, That's as much trouble as I've ever seen her in. Four, five, six. I had her winning one, just outboxing her. Two and three were close. Four, five, six, she lost and was in the worst trouble of her career. And I think uh, Serrano kind of gassed herself. Uh, and gave away seven, eight, nine, ten. So I thought it was a draw at worst, and I had it six four. And when I found out Sander had it six four, I figured that had to be that had to be high new Katie won. Uh beautiful, beautiful fight, wonderful, aggressive. That's that's what that's what women's boxing needed is exactly right. This was great. Is this you've got to start talking about it now? Is this the greatest women's rivalry? boxing has ever seen because my argument if i get one is clarissa shields and savannah marshall it hasn't even happened at professional yet maybe maybe shields and french who did it four times in the amateurs and once in the in the pros um but that said is katie taylor the greatest women's boxer in history i think this fight cements her legacy that is what a champion looks like pillar to post she showed you what a champion is supposed to look like how they're supposed to come out and out point and out box when they get pressure how they're supposed to react when things go completely wrong how they keep their head in the game and respond in a way that that is just to survive and stay alive until they can put the pieces back together this is an amazing fighter. I don't think she gets nearly the credit she deserved. And it's fights like this that's going to that's gonna get her there. She, she belongs on everybody's pound for pound list, hands down. This was the best women's fight I think I've ever watched. It, again, where it was competitive, the talent level on both sides was, I thought, really on par. It really mm. was... I mean, again, dude. Like, I, I could, I could watch Holloway Volkanovski fight ten more times, 
And I, I, I love when you've got two guys that are at that level and they'll watch Taylor and Serrano really, I think the two best on the planet and maybe ever, what else could you ask for? Yeah. Again, my, my other, my other little bit of a concern about Katie Taylor is the fact that Serrano puts people out a lot 30 knockouts coming into this fight. I didn't think she was going to knock out Katie Taylor, but I thought she could, again, I was afraid she might be able to slide a close one. And I'm, and I, again, I'm glad it didn't play out that way. I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, about thinking Serrano would pull it out. But, man, an unbelievable fight. And just quick side note, uh, the fight I want everyone to watch on the undercard of Stevenson and Valdez was Andres Cortez and Alexis Del Bosque, a couple of junior lightweights. It was an eight-rounder. They went six, and the fight had to had to end. Um, it was six of the most insane rounds I have ever seen in my life it was crazy do yourself a favor watch that fight by the way nico ali walsh uh ali's grandson really if you guys anybody watched that fight um there's a little bit of concern about how good that kid really is mm -hmm. and he really he you could tell he's been doing his work in the gym um and then dude Keyshawn davis is definitely i think going to be the next great welterweight champion of the world he will succeed bud crawford when bud decides to hang him up but i thought again in watching Keyshawn davis that guy is the real deal he's fast he's strong uh it doesn't get hit a lot yeah so i totally some... agree Keyshawn davis that kid is yeah. the real deal joe for real absolutely dude. as bud far as replacing bud now I've got the uh, the I'm, I'm still on the Ortiz Jr. train if he recovers from this little mishap, but uh, hopefully. But you can you can you can have the discovery point there for for Davis. <laughs> although I do think he's he's close to that good. This is an upper echelon fighter with all kinds of potential. Yeah, four fights into his career, uh, this guy looks like he he's going to get fast tracked to uh, and and I guess is talking about. Uh, he wants the Loma, Lomachenko line. He wants to just give me the good fights. I don't need any of this nonsense to pad the stats. Throw me in there with champions. And I think after the beatdown he put on Sanchez, uh, I, I don't have any problems with him uh, <laughs> moving up the rankings big time. Great. I'm telling you, this was one of the best weekends of fights in a long time. There were so, so many great fights. And did this weekend might even be better. Yeah. And we will get to that. But first, let's hear a word for more of our sponsors. Come on out for a day of fun to the Cove Kids Classic presented by Clarity. Friday, May 6, 2022 at Lyman Orchards Golf Club to benefit the Cove Center for Grieving Children. Partnership opportunities are available. All proceeds from the Cove Kids Classic support the Cove's free programs. Please consider partnering with us to continue to support grieving children and teens in 2022 and beyond. For more information or questions, call Allison Gamber at 203-634-0500 or email allison at covect.org. The Cove Kids Classic takes place Friday, May 6th at Lyman Orchards Golf Club. Registration begins at 8 a.m. Shotgun start at 9 a.m. on the player course.
Hope Kids Classic. That's this Friday, I believe, right? Yeah. It is. So be there or be square. All right. Let's get in to the fights this weekend. Starting off in the boxing ring, Canelo Alvarez versus Dimitri Bivol. Uh, don't got to tell the tape because it was kind of impromptu, but Joe, can Canelo secure another lightweight, light heavyweight scrap? Oh, he could. I don't think he's doing it. I, I don't think he's going to beat uh, Bevel here at all. I I appreciate all that, that Canelo has done. And, um, you know, I know he just he's trying to rack up some belts here. I think he's made a terrible mistake moving up to this uh light heavyweight I, I i don't i don't think this is the place he wants to go and i don't think bibble's the guy he wants to be in the ring with i really don't see this i think this is probably again i'll give the guy credit for going out there because you know he could have fought another caleb he could have found a billy <laughs> joe or a, or a guy you've never heard of but he didn't he decided uh, he was going to fight somebody in his league. And I think the size differential. Oh, whoa, slow down now. Go. I mean, just. A you know, slower. well, fair enough. I, I, I like this fight. I think it's going to be a good one. But I do think. I think Bibble takes him out. Jared, is, are you with Joe? Is this going to destroy the. Uh, Baturbiev Alvarez dreams? No. No. Um, so, uh, best win for Bivol, uh, let's say Joe Smith Jr. By decision, he beat Jean Pascal and an aged Sullivan Barrera all at 174 and a half. So that's the issue I have is the size. <clears throat> Box rec ranking 199.9, so just under 200. And uh, we've done that before. That's the ELO system applied to all the fighters who they fought and who they fought and who they fought. And, you know, um, same way they taught you how you get AIDS, that's how they've calculated these boxers. <laughs> Everybody they've been with and who they've been with and all the math is kind of um, and so we've got just under 200 for our guy Bivol and uh, 1973. Now that's not 197.3, like just a little bit less than Bivol. That's like 10 times Bivol, 1,973. Caleb Plant, Billy Joe Saunders, I don't need to do this. Gennady Golovkin, you guys know what's going on here. Liam Smith. Alvarez, um, the thing the thing that gets me about Bivol is that he's not a straightforward pressure fire fighter. He's not a counter punch and knock you out type guy. He's slick. He moves. He's rangy. He's the exact type of guy Canelo Alvarez walks down and destroys. And he's got one of my favorite quotes, boxing quotes of all time, is Canelo Alvarez. They were talking about the ring being bigger for uh, – um, he, he just fought a faster guy. who uh, Billy Joe Saunders. They were talking that they got the ring to be bigger, more room to dance around. And he says, it uh, doesn't matter how big a room is, the corner's always the same size. 
it's 90 degrees in the corner, no matter how big a space we're in. And that's where Bivol will end up, is in the corner, folding like a lawn chair. This is Canelo all day. He's too strong. Dude, we need to see Canelo Baturbiev. Who's going to move backwards and box? Yeah, I don't know either. That's the fight. That's the fight I want to see. And then those seven pounds make a difference because you've got a straightforward pressure fighter. And Baturbiev puts it on Alvarez, like I said, in Throwing Jabs Episode 1. Yeah, all right. I, 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 I'm with you, Jared. I got Canelo. Uh, I the, the only thing, like, like I, I, like you said, the only thing that really gets me is the size Bibble has. Uh, but I, I think Canelo's gonna be able to get done. I, I, he, I, I talked about young hungry lions like uh, killing each other off before they get to in the lightweight division. But here, this is Canelo being the hyena. Right, or the vulture just waiting and picking guys. I mean, you saw what he did with Kovalev when Kovalev was so much older. Bivol, this isn't really the fight you should be having. I'd rather – you need to be having the Baturbiev fight. Bivol is the most vulnerable of those champions there at light heavyweight, I think. So uh, Canelo doing it again just to get another belt, in my opinion. And I think it, it's going to work. And – but I, there are better fights for Canelo to have. And uh, this is the Mayweather type of, like, picking right time and for, for your opponents and picking and choosing. And uh, I don't like it. I love Canelo, but uh, it, it sucks. I mean. It's a good way to from... experiment with the size before you fight Paterbia. Yeah, very true. I mean, if I'm managing him, I want this fight first. Yeah, and I, I I know they talked about him going up to cruiserweight too. Uh, I'm glad that this is that there seems to be some sort of path for Canelo, and I but Turbiev seems to be on this path now. So uh, if he can get past Bivol, well, I think it, it should be fun. It'd be great. Can't have a single de mile weekend without a Canelo Alvarez fight. Yeah. You know? Ah. Okay. Over get, for get your get your uh, cervezas and uh. For some boxing. Get your I think, corona. I think Bivol's going to knock him out mid-round. And I'll tell you what I think it's going to be. I don't think you're even going to see it coming. I think everything leading up to that moment, it'll seem like it's all going like according to plan. And I, I, I know. This is a guy that's had six straight decisions. That's a crazy thing to say. That's my prediction. Yeah, where does this power come from? You'll see. 101 oh. amateur fights. You know how many people he stopped? He's not a big Three. knockout guy. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Interesting. Joe just had a vision. I have, uh, there's just, I, 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 it's weird. I just have a weird feeling. Vosdick stopped him in the amateurs. Interesting. But, uh, all right, it should be a fun one. But now, I, mean, I think the real big, big card. UFC 274, <clears throat> two, two titles. Let's start off with the co-main event. Rose Namajunas looking to avenge her loss in the Ultimate Fighter Championship to Carla Esparza. Joe, does Rose get a revenge? 
You know, it's funny. Jared and I were talking about this the other day. We don't like Carla Esparza. And Jared, I think I figured out why. She doesn't look like a fighter. She looks like your wife's annoying friend that knows about <laughs> MMA. And it, it's in, like, like, you're like, shut up. You don't, you know what I mean? She that would be offensive to Karen Esparza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Car- Carla. Oh, Carla. good Lord. Um, yeah, dude, I think right now, the way Rose and Namajunas is fighting, uh, I, I don't know, man. She's just like, she's been fighting on another level of late. And I don't know. I feel like this is this is definitely one that that she's going to be able to handle, and and I think handle quite easily. You know, she Carla. she really is top of her game right now. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Carla, Carla's that girl you go out with on the first date that finds a piece of glass in her food and gets the meal comped, <laughs> and then after you leave, you find out she brought the glass with her from home. Carla Esparza is the plain donuts in the variety pack of Edmonds. The the plain Carla Esparza, when you get the oatmeals, you know how you have like the apple and the cinnamon, and then there's that like original plain bland flavor that nobody eats. It's always like the last four packets in the box that you throw away at the end. Carla Esparza. This is this is. You know, Carla Esparza, you know when you used to take a piss when you were a little kid and they'd flash around in the toilet? Sometimes they have those little blue hockey pucks and it was fun to look at. It's like comparing that to a fireworks show when you're talking about Rose Namayunas versus Carla Esparza. This is exciting versus bland. This is a girl that I've cried with. Versus somebody I've teared up of boredom watching. So I, I I just, I'm so emotionally invested. Please, Rose, please whoop Karen. I'm Carla Esparza's, please just beat her. Please, you Listen, have to win this fight. Karen Esparza, uh, and, and her first 10 wins had five submissions. The, the fifth of those being her 10th win, which is the first fight with Rose. She then lost four out of seven fights. She hasn't submitted anybody since, and she ha- she's uh, only finished one fight since. That was her last fight uh, against a, a Chinese fighter that no one's ever heard of. So, again, if you're looking at the body of work since the first fight, to me, this is like Poirier McGregor, too. It's like Poirier's been fighting... The best fighters in the world. He had a belt at one point, and you haven't done anything uh, mm-hmm. since that last fight. You haven't beaten anybody of note. She, uh, as far as yep. it comes in at a five-fight winning streak, Michelle Waterson may be the biggest name on that list. It's not impressive. Did she win that? Did you see that fight? Which one? Waterson. Oh, yeah, yeah. well. Uh, do you, do, if I had it 3-2 Waterson, are you mad at me? No. Did you see her fight, Marion Rodriguez? Uh, I have Rodriguez winning that fight. Alexa Grasso, I'm not mad if you gave her that fight. Uh, There's a, isn't there a Tisha Torres down here that I thought beat her? Like if this girl's, you know, 500 right now, I think that's probably more accurate than than what her uh, what her record actually says. 
Yeah. I, I, the Carla Esparza, she'll, she'll ever, I mean, she'll go down as uh, first ever strawweight championship champion, which, I mean, that, that's the UFC, to yeah. Your on. The ultimate but, fighter. I mean, that, that's a young Rose that, that, you, that you beat. A uh, completely different Rose you're going up against on Saturday. But, and then, I mean, you have the first real actually world beater, the actual real at the top of their games. The first time you actually meet them when you have the championship in Joanna, it, it's just d- devastating. Uh, she's Even though they, it is controversial, she has tr- brought her way back into title contention. But like I said last week, uh, after Andra- Jessica Andrade won, Rose, I, I see here her going on a revenge tour. Taking care of the Carla Esparza, then taking care of the Andrade, uh, maybe even making that a trilogy if, when she wins. Like, I, I just see her getting back to where she is, uh, needs to be to be at the top of the women's pound for pound, top pound for pound, because uh, I think that's where Rose belongs. And Carla Esparza, while she's great, she's, she's made a career off of that one championship. She stayed along. She's been a constant... She's been a gatekeeper here in the women's strawweight division, but that's all she is. First champion, but, but still a gatekeeper in this division, and that's um, Rose is at the top of her game. It's it's pretty simple, I think. But who knows? That, that'd be insane if Carlos Barza won, shocked the world, and was the new strawweight championship. Can you imagine? That'd be wild. Anything can happen to some of It's got to be Rose. Just has to be Ross. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But uh, I, I, I think let's go. To Otherwise, that. I want to speak to the management. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Carla going to go talk to the manager. No, all right. All right, let's go with the fight that I think is not as easy to pick in the main event. Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, lightweight championship. Joe, who you got? Boy, you know, I you guys know, uh, man, when was it? Like two years ago, I feel like we were talking and I told you guys I didn't love Charles Oliveira, talked about his penchant for tapping quick. The, the last 10 fights, boy, this guy really has turned it all around and is so dangerous, man. He is so dangerous. I just rewatched the Poirier fight with him the other day. Who you picked? Who I picked, and I'll tell you what, Poirier was beating his ass in the first round. Poirier was popping him left, right, and sideways. It was Poirier and it on. Yeah. It was the kind of fight where in the past Oliveira would have quit. Oliveira would have would have and and he didn't. And instead in the third round, it was Poirier who kind of quit. I mean, he broke, he broke. Dustin Poirier's spirit in that fight, and Poirier gave up the back, and it was game over. So, yeah, dude, this is this guy's a really dangerous weapon. I think he's really hard to beat. I love Justin Gaethje. My always my argument and my problem with Gaethje is, and we've talked about this, Jared. He wants to be the most entertaining fighter in the UFC. Khabib oh, yeah. never wanted to be the most entertaining fighter. I think Charles Oliveira's gotten over the idea of I've got to be exciting. I need to win fights. 
And I'll, well, and I'll I've knock even you heard... out, I'll choke you out, whatever I got to do. And, like, Gaethje's in there because Gaethje wants to put on a show. He wants to drop you. And I I think he this 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 is a dangerous fight for him. I think Oliveira, I don't think this one goes past the third. Oliveira t- w- wins by stoppage. Oh, absolutely. Um, Gagey reminds me, shout out to Justin Hayes. Gagey reminds me of my boy Buju, who was always under the impression that it was good if you punched him because it meant you were close enough to hit. Um, <laughs> you guys know Oliveira is one of my favorites. I think you guys both picked against him his last three fights. I've never I, picked him on this show. I, can I think we you were that. two against one. Tony Ferguson, <laughs> Michael Chandler, and Poirier. I think we were two against one, three fights in a row. So let's get on the train here. Charles Oliveira, he's as good as I've been saying he is. And this one's also a bit conflicting because when I, uh, very beginning of my relationship with my wife, we watched a, a uh, what is it? The w, uh, World Series of Fighting, Orlovsky Johnson. There it is, 2013, 323. And uh, Gagey went 7-0 and and I said to her, this is the best fighter not in the UFC. And I want to see all of his fights that I can. And he won 15 straight fights before the finale and stopped 14 of those 15 guys. Great fighter, but I've heard him say in interviews, you can't fight like that forever. I know I'm going to have less fights. I know that when you drive a car like that, you get less mileage out of it. Um, But that's who I want to be. And I, I love that. I respect him about it. But it means most of the time, those guys at the top of the game, if you can't stop them, they will outpoint you because you're going to leave too many openings. What I love about Cyril Gaon is what I hate about Justin Gagey. The window's always open. Uh, Oliveira, probably by stoppage, probably early. Justin's not going to mind engaging, and only one of them's going to play defense. It's like all these one-on-one with Jordan conversations when – most of those arguments, he's the only one that would have played defense. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going all over as well by stoppage. I, I like the third. Uh, and I a think sweep. Choot, choot. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to the ride, guys. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, Olivera, I think he either gets it to the ground or eventually – He's just going to have enough. I do think it is going to be war for three rounds, though. Like, they're both going to be game. They're both going to be brawling it out. But I think uh, eventually Charles Oliveira will realize, hey, that isn't what I want to do. Take it to the ground. Put Gaethje to sleep, I think, in the third. I love that comparison. I love that. The UFC is a Toro Gotti. Absolutely. Blood and guts warrior, and we love him for it. He's going to be a fan favorite, and it's going to make for exciting, exciting fights. He might stop this guy and end up the champion, and we'll get another really exciting title fight after that. So, I mean, I love both of these guys. These are two of of my guys that I, you know, I got my guys. 
We yeah. draft a fantasy team a long time ago. These were guys I was taking where that you might have scratched your head when I when I when I drafted them. <laughs> but uh, I I mean speaking of fun fights, let's talk about the fight of the night. I mean we talked about all the championship fights, but there are some other good fights. But uh, Joe, what other fights do you have your eye on? Um, I'll be quite honest. On the super short notice, I have not even looked at the card. So I don't know. How's that hit you? All right. I wish you hadn't started with me because I definitely would have come up with something. I'm looking at it right now. No, I like, uh, um, I definitely like uh, Joe Luozon to upset Donald Cerrone. I think that's going to be a banger. It's two veterans that have been in the game a long time. And I and they they don't mind going out there and having a good time. So uh, Lozon Cerrone, I think, is is definitely one worth worth watching. Yeah, I, that's great. Um, my buddy's a big Donald Cerrone fan, and I said Joe Lozon was going to win. He got pissed off, and then uh, he's actually from Boston. And then I mentioned, oh, Joe Joe Lozon, he's from Boston. Grew up like fighting his brother in his backyard. So then he's all. My buddy's now all on Joe Lozon, so. Dude, Chandler versus Parkinson, yeah. Rua versus St. Pro, boy. It's Holy sad. smokes, dude. This is a card. Oh, <laughs> yeah, my God. Funny. Wow. Yeah. That Williams-Brown fight, too, stick around for. Oh, wow, dude. That is, this is going to be a fun weekend. <laughs> Good yeah. God. I didn't know all this was going down. This is fantastic. Oh, yeah. uh, also, how many more times is Donald Cerrone going to get beat up before they tell Cowboy to ride off into the sunset? Because I'll be honest, I love that guy. He's one of my Time to hang favorites. up the old Cowboy I, hat. If I have to watch one more guy beat the bejesus out of Donald Cerrone, I don't know. I can't take much more of this. It hurts no. me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not fun. Five and eleven in his last sixteen. Yeah. Uh, four and fun. nine. Four and nine in the UFC. In it's time to hang him up. Yeah, okay. it's time. Yeah. But uh and you lost uh grappling bouts to Craig Jones and Joe Selecki. That's your activity uh from last year. Nice. Uh, A standing knockout. Alex Morano standing knockout May eighth. So in the last year, in the last year, May eighth, standing punches, standing knockout, first round, four minute forty seconds. Craig Jones grappling, rear naked choke, five minutes first round, and Joe Selecki rear naked choke, three minutes round one. Both of those were in December uh, of last year in Combat Jiu-Jitsu World and Fury Pro Grappling three. And now back to the UFC for Joe Lozon. Yeah, it's it's time. Have you seen that combat grappling stuff? Combat jujitsu? It's just jujitsu being slapped the, the crap out of people. It's pretty interesting at that. Oh nice. No uh, pillows. <laughs> no. But uh wait yeah. real quick. Real quick, I just saw a really cool article that suggested that Bivol is up to the challenge of meeting of beating Canelo Alvarez. Then I just saw another one, and the headline is Bernard Hopkins, dot, dot, Canelo Alvarez will smash 
Dimitri Bilbo. Uh -huh. <laughs> Man, if B-Hop -hop thinks Canelo's got it, he, he's, he called it, what was the thing he called it? Mashed potatoes all over. Damn. Yikes. <laughs> That's a yikes, man. That sounds like uh, I might be wrong again. <laughs> uh, maybe. We'll see. The, 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 the size is that. That's, I mean, if they, Bevel can get something, use that size, it's, maybe. But it's. You know, it's the I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the Tyson Fury argument that everybody's got a way to win, and I would like to think that the two main strategies are outbox, outpoint, or volume, overwhelm. Ah, <laughs> ding, ding, ding! He did say that, didn't he? <laughs> this was the guy that also said made a comment about a quarterback. Uh, a white quarterback having some black in him, right? Tony Romo. Tony Romo. And Irvin came back, Michael Irvin came back and said, see, if somebody, if if a white guy had said Donovan McNabb must have some white in him because of the way he's able to read coverages, that would have been a huge problem. You, you weren't supposed to say that. Bernard Hopkins has a habit of things falling out of his mouth that probably shouldn't have. But uh, he's a hell of a fighter. Um, yeah. yeah, Bivol gets stopped in this fight. So, so back to the Tyson Fury argument. So, what do you do with Canelo Alvarez? You gotta outbox him. You gotta Floyd Mayweather him and really be that good, a la Katie Taylor in most of her fights. Um, be that good and really outporn him, or or Baturbiev, and outbeat him at his game. Somebody's gonna end up in a corner. Me in the middle and see who starts backing up first. Um, Bivol, which one of those things is he capable of? Is he Floyd type speed gonna outbox Canelo, or is he dog like Kovalev gonna be able to walk him down? And no, the answer is just no on all counts. I don't see that from Bivol. I don't see a good amateur career, great boxer. <laughs> Not on the pound for pound list and not being Canelo Alvarez. Did you know Dimitri Bivol wanted to be like Jackie Chan when he grew up? Get out of here. Yeah, Jackie Chan was like his hero growing up. He wanted to be the next Jackie Chan, and he's so good at boxing that he decided to go that route. Is this all leading up to him beating Canelo Alvarez? Maybe. Allen Iverson cried when they said he couldn't play football. So <laughs> it was always his favorite sport. Never yeah. wanted to play basketball. Allen Iverson showing up with a ball and, and says, yeah. That's why he hated practice so much. Because we're talking about practice. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play the games with practice. Uh, uh, <laughs> practice. That's great. All right. That's going to do it for Throwing Jabs today. Uh, special Wednesday, uh, Tuesday edition of Throwing Jabs. I don't even know what I said Wednesday because I'm an idiot and I don't, <laughs> I, I, yesterday on Monday, I thought it was Tuesday. That's what a terrible week I'm having. It was like Monday morning at 10 and I already thought it was Tuesday. <laughs> That'll mess you up all week too. Thursday, <laughs> you'll think it's Friday. It won't be till the weekend that you're like, oh, 
I got a plane to catch yeah, on Thursday, so as long as I know what day Thursday is, I'll be all right. Otherwise, the rest of my plans will be shot. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. My mom's not operation is until Tuesday morning, guys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Make sure you, you check out clovercrestmedia.com for a bunch of great other podcasts, great other sports podcasts, true crime, political, bunch of stuff there. And if there isn't a, a podcast you like, start your own, clovercrestmedia.com. Make sure you check it out because uh, Throwing Jabs is brought to you by Clovercrest Media. For myself, Big Jace. Joe Guire, Jared Jones, enjoy the fights on Saturday, and we'll catch you next week for more throwing jabs. Take care, everyone. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jays. Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing. Counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.